Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Jesus 911, the most powerful radio. Ruben and Jesse, uh, two man car. We're going to be giving you some more clarity today. Good morning, Jesse. Good morning, Ruben. I am reporting for duty. I am 10-8. And that's exactly what we need, Ruben, in our society is moral clarity. And I'll tell you why. Because as you well know, there's a lot of issues in society that don't have a black and white answer. Okay? for Like, for example, there's a big debate right now amongst Catholics. Should you watch the Father's Stew movie or not? It's got a lot of bad words. I mean, you got people going at it. Uh, yeah. from from opposite sides of the of the fence. So today we want to. Uh, years ago, I wrote a document which is going to come out in a book. It's called "Moral Clarity on Those Shades of Gray Based on God's Word." So I want to go through this, and if anybody wants a copy, just go to my website, jesseromero.com and go to the free downloads. the 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 PDF is called "Moral Clarity on Those Shades of Gray." I think it'll help you understand how to navigate through some of those tough issues in life. Nice. Okay, Jess, let's uh, let's get into this uh, Thursday in in uh, Easter week. Yes. So let, let me give the intro. There will, there's about ten points I want to make. All right. So throughout the course of our life, all of us have to make difficult decisions about issues which good people could disagree on. So I'm going to try to provide some moral clarity with charity about making those hard decisions. Here are 10 principles from the Holy Bible that will facilitate our ability to make clear, prudent decisions. Because the Bible's very clear on matters of sin. If you want to know what it is that God forbids, just start with the Ten Commandments and the seven deadly sins. The Lord lays out those behaviors which He does not permit. Moreover, there are positive things which God commands us to do, And if we don't do those things, we're guilty of sins of omission. Sacred scripture is very clear about sin and vice. We know what's right and what's wrong because God has given us a moral compass, which is a well-formed moral conscience based on God's word. I don't want to talk about what's explicitly right and wrong according to sacred scripture. I want to talk about what falls in the middle because that's what poses the difficult problems when it comes to making a prudent decision. For example, if somebody proposes that you break one of the Ten Commandments, that's obviously not acceptable. If somebody proposes to you the idea of reading the Bible, praying, sharing your Christ-centered faith with someone, that's a good thing and totally acceptable. However, there's a large category of things in the middle which the Bible doesn't explicitly address. Ruben, give us some of the ex- bullets of things that are called, I would call wobblers, <laughs> and we need some moral guidance. Okay, just some people say that there, there are certain foods we should eat, certain foods we should not eat. That's uh, a wobbler. Some people tell us that uh, you can drink certain things and not other things, and if you drink certain things, that's sinful, and certain things, other things are not. And, and th- yeah. with that, yeah. Yeah, with that yeah. first one, it could have been, you know, let's say... Uh, you know, seafood, you you know, maybe the Jews don't eat, you know, uh, shrimp or, or, or something like that, you know, 
But and then the other one, alcohol. You hear non-Catholics talking about not being able to drink alcohol. Or how about this one? You can't drink Monster because it's got, I don't know, they say it's got satanic images. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so you can't drink it if you're a Catholic. So, again, those are those wobblers. Go ahead, Ruth. Okay, some people believe that sports are sinful. Other, other people disagree to them. It is the center of their life, and they bow down and worship sports at every opportunity they get. Uh, yep, I know people like that. Some people believe television is sin and have smashed it with a baseball bat. There are other people who <laughs> stare at that box like mind-numb robots and doesn't matter what's on, even a test pattern tickles their ears and gives them a liver quiver. So, yeah, that TV could be problematic uh, for those for some people. Uh, some people say that if you go to a movie, a movie, you've committed a sin. You're accused of participating in ungodliness. Some people say that if you buy a ticket to go to a theater, you're supporting the godless movie producing industry. That's a good good point some people say well movies are just a diversion they're recreational entertaining and the graphics are beautiful and so forth some people think that if you do anything on sunday other than sit and read the bible and pray you've sinned (laughs) yeah some people think that you can't play cards because it's sinful and no self-respecting person would do so others believe you can it's simply recreation and harmless I, so you're telling me I can't play old maid, Jesse? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying these are these issues that Americans debate every day. So, and that's why we're doing this show. Mm. Some people believe that certain games are sinful, such as Monopoly, because it teaches materialism. Some believe that there should be a game called Humility and Poverty for those who really want to pursue t- true Christian spirituality. Some people say that if your hair is too long, that's a sin. If it's too short, that's not a sin. Or are you just... Anal retentive, personally characterized by meticulous neatness, meticulously neatness. Some people believe certain think clothing styles reflect our culture of death. I admit certain fashions today are immodest. Personally, I believe God is symmetrical. This is why what I mean in, in case you don't understand. He likes the same thing on both sides of your body. Gee whiz. <laughs> I, I see clothes that seem like patchwork. They go every which way there is no order or symmetry in the crazy fashions of today. And I think, uh, I think God is a God of symmetry and order. That's just my opinion. That's Jesse's opinion. Yeah. Some people debate about how much sleep we should get. Sleep is not wrong. Sleep is good. I try to get eight hours sleep at least once or twice a week. I like to do it more than I'm able, but there's nothing wrong with sleep. In fact, there's nothing wrong with sleeping in. Do you ever look forward to morning when you can sleep in? I I do. It's not often, but Sure you do. That's a wonderful thing. Sleeping in and collecting your physical strength is good. However, if done too frequently, it's not spiritually profitable because it will cultivate sloth. In and of itself, there's nothing wrong with sleep, but in excess, it creates a habit of laziness, which is not to your benefit. That's true. Uh, Some people who feel that certain musical styles, genres are sinful, even demonic. Some may go so far as to say that it's, if it's not church music, it's, it's all sinful. Hmm. Some people have no problem with boys and girls swimming together, yet there are some people who believe that it's a sin. They refer to it as mix, um, a mix uh, bathing, bathing, and yeah. that is not allowed. Some people believe going to Las Vegas and playing the slot machines is sinful. Others disagree. Some people believe using medical marijuana is sinful. Others disagree. So, Ruben, what we've just laid out for the audience here, these are, these are the classic examples of things that enter into the area where the Holy Bible is silent and really does not address these issues with specificity. Now, there are many things like that in life 
as we've just enumerated for the audience. So as disciples of Christ, how do we make decisions about those kinds of things? Well, what we're going to do, and again, if you want this PDF file, go to my website, jesseromero.com. It's under my, it's under the, the, the free uploads or the free downloads, excuse me. It's called Moral Clarity on Tough Decisions. Moral Clarity. It'll be going in a book that I'm preparing. <clears throat> but it just, it just gives you the ability to think through issues. So as disciples of Christ, how do we make decisions about those kinds of things? Well, we're going to give you 10 principles whenever you're faced with making a decision that isn't black or white. If you apply these principles you will grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and you'll know what it means to be free in a crisis. St. Paul says in Galatians 5.1, yet obedient to his divine will. So we'll go back and forth. Principle number one, let me tell you the first one. Ask, you, you always have to ask yourself this question. Is what I'm going to do, will it be spiritually profitable? So let's look at 1 Corinthians 6.12. Okay, and notice verse 12, read it carefully. It says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. Notice, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. So let me qualify this verse by saying that all things that are not unlawful are lawful. That's what this verse means. There are some things in sacred scripture that are clearly said to be unlawful or sinful. The apostles not talking about those things. What the apostles referring to in this verse is that is that sort of middle ground. Some of the things that Reuben enumerated, those neutrally moral areas, are lawful for me. Yet he adds, but not everything is beneficial for me. And this word literally means to my advantage in the Greek. Certain things are not to my spiritual advantage. They don't profit my spiritual life. That's what Paul's arguing. So the question is, the question the apostles posing, will this action or behavior enhance my spiritual life? I'll throw one, smoking pot every day. Will it cultivate holiness? That's the question. That's a good question. Smoking dope every day. Will it be profitable to me as a Christian? Will it be to my advantage as a Christian? Will it cultivate godliness and virtue? We shouldn't look at the above issues that I've listed from the standpoint of man, oh man. Can I do this and get away with it? On the contrary, we should ask ourselves, is it expedient for my spiritual growth? Mm. Okay, principle two. Will it build me up? In other words, uh, will it put me on the path to greater spiritual maturity? 1 Corinthians 10, 23 says, everything is lawful. That is, all things that are not unlawful are lawful. Therefore, uh, everything is lawful, but... Not everything is beneficial. Moreover, here is the clincher. Everything is lawful, but not everything builds up. What? You know, you might be asking yourself, that's that's right. Not everything builds you up. So, you know, I'm going to hold that thought right there, and we'll pick this up on the other side of the break. Uh, we're going over moral clarity on tough decisions. And, uh, yeah, stay tuned. I want to hear the rest of this. Jesse did a good job on it. Now, back to Jesus 911. 
If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. We're back, Jesus 911, talking about moral clarity on tough decisions, things that you're not necessarily going to find in, in Scripture that, um, that tell you one way or the other whether it's okay to do. So uh, we're on the second point here, and I was talking about, um, okay, so will it build me up? So we have to ask ourselves the, the question, will it build me up? The word is, let's see, in Greek, it's oikodomeo. Is that how you say yep. it? Yep. It means to build a house. In other words, it, will it add to my present life things that will increase my spiritual maturity, interior life, and growth in holiness? First uh, Corinthians fourteen twenty six says, quote, everything should be done for building up, end quote. And St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians twelve nineteen, quote, in the sight of God, we are speaking in Christ and all for building up beloved, end quote. Let's go back. You go back a few chapters. Uh, let's say 1 Corinthians nine twenty four. Paul says, do not, quote, do you not know that the runners in the stadium all run in the race, but only one wins the prize? Run so as to win, the uh, end quote. So every man that competes in athletics is temperate, moderate, and in control of his passions, especially in the use of alcohol. The athlete exercises self-control in all things. That's if he wants to win, right? Yep. Uh, because... Yeah, yeah, that's if he wants to win, he's going to do those things. Verse 27 says, quote, but I pummel my body and subdue it. Literally, he says, quote, to strike under the eye, which in Greek, it's hupopiazo, which means to give yourself a black eye. So that's where he that's that pummeling. I give my my body a black eye for the purpose of keeping it under control so that this self-imposed mortification may be beneficial to me in the long run. So you, let's be honest, admit that most of us are slaves to our bodily desires. That's a fact. We basically respond quite readily to our carnal and uh, disordered appetites. That's why when it comes to becoming a self-disciplined person, you have to train yourself in discipline. It doesn't come naturally. And that's true. You know, you fall to the your lower natures and if you, you leave... If, when you're left to yourself, left to your own vices. Here are a few practical tips that I use, which help me. Number one, always do the most difficult task first. This helps you to learn self-discipline. Two, be punctual, be on time. That indicates you can pull the pieces together and manage them. That shows you're in control. Number three, learn to say no when you're, you have every right to say yes. In other words, uh, when you have a right to go out and just have a great big, huge meal and top it off with, let's say a banana split with hot fudge sundae, just say no. So you could say to your body, see, I'm still in charge. Cultivate self-control. When you control your carnal desires with your renewed mind, you gain mastery over your passions and train yourself to become holy. And just a uh, confession to make truth be told, I had a piece of uh, chocolate uh, pie last night, uh, <laughs> chocolate cream pie left over from Easter. So I want to go to waste. <laughs> okay, I get it. You get a pass, dude, because we're it's still the octave of Easter, so okay. you, it's it's a celebratory. All right. Principle number three in terms of moral clarity on tough decisions. You can get my PDF file. Go into my website, jesseromero.com. Click on free PDF files. It's called Moral Clarity on Tough Decisions. This is a chapter of a book that I'm writing. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Let's ask this question for principle number three. Take this, your smoking pot. Will it slow me down in the race? The Christian life is a race, as 1 Corinthians 9 says. If I'm running to win the prize, if I'm running to obtain the prize, then I have to ask myself if this will slow me down. Smoking pot every day. 
Notice Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. We are in a race, the race of faith. We have seen in chapter 11 a host of Old Testament saints who live by faith and their living witnesses who live with God and are cheering us on. They are the cloud of witnesses who pray for us as we run our own race of faith towards heaven. You know, back there at the beginning in verse 4, it says, By faith Abel, by faith Enoch, by faith Noah, by faith Abraham, by faith Sarah, by faith Isaac, by faith Jacob, <clears throat> by faith Joseph, by faith uh, Moses, close quote. And it goes on to talk about, <clears throat> by faith the walls of Jericho fell down. By faith Rahab, uh, the, the, harlot, the harlot Rahab, and then Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, Samuel, uh, David, Samuel, the prophets, and on and on and on. Men and women all living by faith. Now, with so many Old Testament saints praying for us, this should truly inspire us to answer the call to holiness. It's as if these saints are sitting in a stadium as spectators, cheering us on as we're running a race of faith. We must live by faith and obedience to run the race of faith well. Now, in order to do it successfully, notice verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for, the, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Close quote. Now here's a key passage that I want you to notice. Quote, let us lay aside every weight and the sin. Close quote. Now, what conclusion can we draw from that verse? Notice the weight is different from, from them the sin. We are told to lay aside the sin, and we're also told to lay aside the weight. So what's the difference between these two? To run in this race, agon is a Greek word from which we get the word agony. It indicates that it's tough, arduous, and demanding. The life of faith requires determination, perseverance, self-discipline, but in order to accomplish these things, we have to lay aside every weight as well as sin. Now, what does every weight mean in this verse? The word is onkos in Greek. It simply means bulk. Moreover, let me state that bulk isn't sin. It's just the needless stuff that weighs us down, demands our attention, diverts our priorities, sucks our energy dry and kills our enthusiasm for the things of God. Here's an example. Let's take an athlete who's going to compete in the 100 meters race. The night before the race in this world-class event, he stood out late, got drunk, and committed sins of unchastity, and then came to the event in the morning and tried to run. He would be running without having set aside sin. By sinning against his own body, he sucked out his strength. Here's another scenario. Let's assume that he trained perfectly and did everything he was supposed to do in preparation. He's in top physical shape. His training regimen was on point every day. His moral life is pure. He didn't abuse his body with alcohol, excessive food, or unchastity. However, he came in and decided to compete, compete in combat boots and a wool overcoat. This wouldn't be sinful, but it would be pretty foolish. That would be unnecessary bulk. It would weigh you down. So let me simplify this for you. Do you think it is sinful to go on a Saturday night dinner date with your wife and then drive to the beach and sit in front of the moon? 
as you tell your wife how much she means to you and how much you love her? After this beautiful evening, you get home at, at 2 o'clock a.m. Is that a sin? No way. Some of you are saying, you know, some ladies are probably saying, I wish my husband would do that. <laughs> but let me change the scenario a bit. You have a men's retreat at 8 o'clock Saturday morning, and you're assigned to share your testimony at 8.30 a.m. Having stayed out late the night before with your wife is not sinful, but it just added unnecessary stress that will have an impact on your witness talk the next morning. Life is like running a race. You must admit, there are some things in our lives that we should not do for the simple reason that it will slow us down in the race to heaven. Correct? That's why for any Christian, Saturday night is a very sacred time. It is a it is a do-nothing time to spend with those you love. However, you still have to get up the next day and go to church, lecture, usher, hospitality minister, prison ministry, visit the, visit the sick, help out with the church breakfast. There's lots of forms of activities I will call I will call bulk that needlessly waste your time and sucks your energy and negatively impacts your priorities. So ask yourself this simple question. Will this activity slow me down in the spiritual race? I will not do anything that affects my ability to serve Christ. I just won't do that. It might be something in and of itself that is not intrinsically evil, but for me, it becomes a needless weight to bear. We can call this, princip- we can call this the principle of excess. Ruben? Yeah, you had me thinking about uh, when you're saying running the race, uh, you're not you know, going out drinking the night before. We, we just finished up uh, Baker to Vegas here, and I know, Jesse, you've run that before, and it just yeah, it was in March. And so, you know, you got those elite runners that, that I mean, they're preparing, all, you know, all year round for it. Oh, yeah. They're, in, in fact, our L.A. Sheriff's team won the, the men's division and women's division. and and uh, But then they have those recreational teams, and those guys are out partying. You know, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Just another chance in Vegas to, to, to drink. Um so I just made, it was funny that that came to mind right there. So, uh, yeah, you don't want to be carrying extra weight. That's for sure. Um, principle number four, will it bring me into spiritual bondage? First Corinthians six twelve. pay attention to this quote. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful in quote. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything of what, uh, of, of what, of anything. Um, I will be brought under the power of anything simply means I will not allow anything to master me. Some created thing, things should never become our master. Think of it, man, is, is the king of creation, according to Psalm 8, 4 through 6, which says, quote, What is a man that thou art mindful of him and of the son of man that thou dost care for him? Yet thou hast made him little less than God and dost crown him with glory and honor. Thou hast given him dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, end quote. So notice how man rules the beast, the fowl, the fish, the land by divine decree. Uh, so going back to, to Genesis, um, man is sovereign upon the earth, but isn't it amazing, amazing how man gives up his sovereignty to the stupid little things in the created order? Uh, man allows his help to be mastered by created things like Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and all, all these, these social media sites. They spend hours uh, looking at them. How many of us have made a absolute fools of ourselves and become slobbering, blithering idiots because we cannot control what comes out of grapes? <laughs> uh, how many people have ended up dead because they can't deal with proper use of drugs? How many people literally have their lives totally run by that idiot box called television, which is a bunch of plastic metal glass tubes 
and wires that were invented by man who is supposed to be the king of the earth. Man has become enslaved to the idiot box. Now television is a king and sovereign is the average household. What about drugs? They were invented and discovered by the ingenuity of man for the benefit of those in need of them. And drugs now have become the master of so many men and women. God created us to be stewards of creation, yet there are many things that can enslave us that come from creation. So you have to ask yourself the question, will this activity put me into bondage? Even something as healthy as, uh, as sports can become addicting. I've seen a lot of people in this world controlled by a little round white ball uh, or a brown pigskin ball, right? Imagine all the good they could do for Christian evangelization and become prayer warriors if they redirected their zeal for Christ. But that's the furthest thing from their radar. Music has a powerful additive, addictive component, and it can consume your time, your life. Just watch how young people are easily dominated by music. So I see, I see family members of mine frantically can't wait to get home and see the next edition of soap opera or TV series. And uh, so those many things that Satan uses to bring us into bondage. Anyway, we'll, we'll pick this up on the other side of the break. We're talking about moral clarity. Be right back. Don't change that dial. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911. Iron sharpens iron. One man sharpens another. Talking about more clarity, uh, a, a paper that Jesse's writing uh, wrote for uh, a book. So, Jesse, we're on principle number five. You want to pick that up? Yep. Principle number five. This is a very practical one. Protestants can fall into this trap quite easily because of their one saved, always saved doctrine. Am I simply trying to rationalize and hypocritically justify my sin? You ask, what do you mean by that, Jesse? Well, I mean this. Are you doing it in the name of freedom when the truth of the matter is you're really pandering to your own disordered passions? Many Christians say, boy, I've got freedom in Christ. I'm free to enjoy this and I'm free to enjoy that and I can do this and I can do that. Close quote. Most people, including Christians, both Catholics and Protestants, misunderstand freedom. St. John Paul II says freedom consists not in doing what we like, but in having the right to do what we ought. The truth of the matter is, you are free in Christ, Galatians 5.1, but a Christian should not use his freedom to offend God. Here's an example. A person who says, <clears throat> well, I'm free to go to Hollywood and watch that movie. I have that liberty, and I'm very selective as to what I watch. But when he goes there, he goes with the purpose in his heart of having his own evil, lustful desires pandered to by what he sees. He merely speaks of Christian freedom as a pretext for evil. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16. It reads, Live as free men, yet without using your freedom as a pretext for evil, but live as servants for God. Close quote. This is simply a veil to cover your, your evil intent. Be honest with yourself. Examine your conscience. Is this really something that benefits me spiritually? Do I spiritually profit from this? I go back to smoking marijuana every day. Is this something that would build up my faith? Smoking marijuana? Is this something that is unnecessary bulk? Is this something helpful to me? Smoking marijuana every day? 
Is this something that will lead me into spiritual bondage, smoking marijuana every day? Here's a gut check. Am I just making a pretext or covering over my evil desire? We must always look at our motive. Here's a point of controversy amongst Christians. Some Christians say you shouldn't dance. Others say you can. After all, David danced before the Lord. Well, one thing I know for sure, he didn't dance like Beyonce, Madonna, Lady Gaga, Miley Cyrus, or Jennifer Lopez, Shakira, or Michael Jackson. So what's wrong with dancing, you ask? Dancing is not intrinsically evil. But ask yourself the question, how are you dancing? Is it consuming too much time? Are you dancing to be the center of attraction, to show off and make people lust for you? Is the way you dance and the amount of time you spend dancing going to build you up spiritually? Do I justify the time I spent dancing recreationally in the name of liberty, in the name of freedom? Or is my real motive to draw attention to myself and make people lust for me? Even something as innocuous as dancing at a club, examine your conscience and ask yourself, what is my motive? Jesse, there's nothing wrong with the huggy boy shuffle. (laughs) (laughs) I knew I saw you on it once or twice. (laughs) The Bible says in Galatians 5.13, quote, For you were called the freedom, brethren. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love be servants of one another. Close quote. Notice, it's a very common thing to turn liberty into what? License. And you have to guard against that. This is called equivocation which means to lie or falsify. There are people who literally falsify their motives. It's common in politics and among suicide terrorists. These people say, well, I'm free to do that. I certainly am. Well, guess what? They're equivocating. They're lying. They're simply trying to cover their evil intent. Here's another example. A guy who says, hey, God made horses. I'm free to go to Santa Ana and enjoy God's God's creation. Those horses... I'm entertained. I say, thank you, God. Look at your beautiful horses run while I'm dropping money all day long. What this gambler is doing under the cloak of liberty is to cover the evil intent to gamble, which, truth be told, is to take the stewardship that God has given and thrown it into the air at the discretion of chance. That is a misuse of the talents that God has given you. That's the principle of equivocation. Am I falsifying my true motives? which could be the avarice and greed for money and my envy of those who have more than I do. Mm. Okay, good points. Principle number six, this is so important. Um, This is going to compromise. Will this compromise my relationship with uh, the Lord Jesus Christ? Will it violate my walk with the Lord? Let's take a look at Romans chapter 14. Listen to basic Christianity 101. Here it is. Every Christian should live under the obedience to the Lordship of Christ. Every believer agreed that all of us are to live in submission to Christ the King. No Christian disagrees. Here's my second point, and not all of us will agree 100% on what the Lord would have us do or not do. Christians disagree about what the Lord permits and does not permit, about what the Lord says is okay and not okay, about what is sinful and not sinful. So um, let's admit, the Scripture does not give us a question and answer list about all human behavior. There are people who interpret the Lordship of Christ differently. Let's look at Romans 14, verses 6 through 8. He who, quote, he who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. He also who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while he who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. None of us 
us lives to himself. None of us dies to himself. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's, end quote. So we are, let me, you know, we're going to sum this up. If I choose to do something or not do something, it must be based on my well-formed moral conscience to the will of Christ, my Lord and Savior. I don't want to violate that, for that is the sanctuary where God speaks to me. Principle number seven. This is pretty simple and straightforward. Will my action or inaction help other Christians? Will my example help other Christians or scandalize them? This is critical. We are our brother's keeper. Genesis 4.9, Galatians 6.2, Matthew 25.35. And, sh- and we really should live our lives in such a way to build up the faith of other Christians. 1 Corinthians 8.9 explains what I'm saying. It says this, quote, Only take care lest this liberty of yours somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. Close quote. What? A stumbling block to the weak? So somebody sees me sitting in a bar, pounding beer, watching the Playboy channel on TV and dropping F-bombs and making lewd comments about the immodestly dressed women on the TV. If someone just coming into the Catholic faith, going through RCA, sees me, don't you think my actions would affect his weak conscience? I've just sinned against him because I've scandalized him and caused his faith to falter. I've also sinned against the Lord. Here's an example of St. Paul not wanting to scandalize the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 9, 11, and 13, he says, If we have sown spiritual good among you, is it too much if we reap your material benefits? If others share this rightful claim upon you, do not we still more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their fruit from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? Close quote. St. Paul just said, I deserve to be paid for preaching the gospel by, by those who receive the word of God. Nevertheless, if this scandalizes anybody, then he will preach and teach for free. No stipend, no remuneration. In, in Romans fourteen thirteen, he says, Then let us no more pass judgment on one another, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. So notice, verse 13 is, is admonishing us not to be a stone of stumbling to those brothers who are probably weaker in the faith. If your kids are scandalized by you, the father smoking medical marijuana, stop smoking medical marijuana. That's what it's telling us. Let, quote, let us then pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. That's in verse 19 of Romans, of Romans chapter 14. In Romans 14 verses 20 to 21, it says, do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make others fall by what he eats. It is right not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that makes your brothers stumble. Close quote. This is why I don't drink in public. Me, Jesse Romero. This is why I don't go to bars or gambling casinos or any other place. Because I'm a public figure in the Catholic faith. And this could cause a weaker brother to stumble since I'm a public Catholic figure. I know people are watching me in order to draw strength and encouragement in their own faith walk, so I try to set the the bar high with my personal and public demeanor. So the pattern of my life must set an example for others. It's such an honor to be able to limit my liberty and know that it will strengthen somebody else because my visibility is certainly more prominent than most Catholics. Those of us followers of Christ have to ask ourselves the question, will my way of life help other Christians? 
Am I setting a Christ-like example for them? Even the little things in life, your discipline, your habits, your virtues, heck, even the fact that you watch your diet or your weight, or you have a certain time set aside for study, this speaks volumes to people who are looking to you for good habits to follow. These little things in life make a huge difference to the rank-and-file blue-collar Christian. A question to ponder. Do I want weaker Christians in the church to follow my pattern of life? Let's call this principle of giving a good example. That's it. And point number eight, will your example of life lead others to Christ? Hmm. The Bible warns, quote, so you do not let your good be spoken of as evil. Romans 14, verse 16. Is my lifestyle leading others to Christ or repelling them from Christ? This is huge. You know, I'm a, I'm a reflection of Christ to the lukewarm and the unbeliever. If there's something unique about my life that will draw others to Jesus, let me give you a great illustration. And uh, this is coming from 1 Corinthians 10, verses 27 and 29. Quote, if one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you this has been offered to, in sacrifice, then out of consideration for the man who informed you and for conscience sake, I mean his conscience, not yours, do not eat it. For we should, uh, or why should my liberty be determined by another man's scruples? Uh, you know what, Jess, we're going to stop there and we'll pick it yep. up on the other side of the break. And uh, coming up, this is already our last break and we'll be right back. Don't want to finish the want to miss the ending of this now back to Jesus 911 if this call is not an emergency dial 888-526-2151 Jesus 911, we're talking about moral clarity on tough decisions. If you want this PDF file, go to my website, jessieromero.com. Go to free downloads. It's the, the, the PDF is called Moral Clarity on Tough Decisions. Because let's be honest, not everything in life has a black and white answer. So I've given you 10 biblical principles on how to think through those tough issues that we call wobblers. There's really no right or wrong answer. So let's go to principle number nine because principle number eight is too long. You'll have to read that on your own. Principle number nine. Here's another question you should ask about uh, ask when making a hard decision. Will this decision or behavior or action be consistent with being Christ-like? To make it simpler, would Jesus do it? I've used that standard many, many times. Would Jesus do this? Would Jesus say that? Trust me. Your moral conscience will receive an answer immediately by the Holy Spirit. Yep. Ask yourself, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus say before, not after you take an action? That will prevent you from making a lot of mistakes and will really help you make a lot of wise decisions. Let's call the, let's call the principle, or let's call that the principle of imitation. We want to imitate Christ as the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. We want to imitate God, as the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5. 
First John chapter two verse six, the Bible says, "He who abides, he, he who says he abides in Him, Christ, ought to walk in the same way in which He walked." Close quote. So if you say you belong to Christ, you should strive by God's grace to live like Christ lived. So we need to ask ourselves the question: What, uh, what w- w- would Jesus do this? Is this consistent with being Christ's life? That's such a thought-provoking question. This is point number nine, the principle of imitation. That's right. That's why you see a lot of those uh, Christian symbols, WWJD. And, um, you know, I used to say, or my wife and I would say, hey, would we be watching this if Father so-and-so was here? You know, Mm. (laughs) Uh, would you be doing that if uh, you were doing it in front of your priest? Um, but Christ is everywhere, so that's that's he's the big man. So that's the that's the real uh, the judge. Uh, principle number ten. I, I'm glad you didn't say he's the big guy, Ruben. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would have had to correct you. <laughs> okay. Uh, principle number ten. The last one is very simple. Will my actions, words, or behavior glorify God? Many of the ten principles have provided kind of overlap. You ask yourself, will this glorify God? You know, and um, I'm referencing First Corinthians ten thirty one, quote. So whether you eat or drink, or whether you, you do, do all for the glory of God. End quote. That this principle really sums up all the other nine principles. Will it glorify God? This can be called the principle of exaltation. As an intentional disciple, of Christ, we need to ask ourselves daily: Is this is is my life giving Him glory? Will my actions or words exalt God? Does my pattern of life lift up his holy name? Will my actions or words bestow honor on the Lord and adorn his holy doctrines? Will he be glorified and honored and praised as a result of my present actions, words, or deeds? That's the principle of exaltation in a nutshell. So now we're going to give you the cash value for this and uh, here's the point. We we can all make the, the hard decisions of life easier if we use these 10 principles. So we're rehashing what we just went over. Go ahead. Yeah, Chris. yeah. Here's the 10 principles that we just went through. We skipped eight. It's too long. But we just want to rehash what you should do to make sure when you have a tough decision, how you navigate through these tough decisions. Should I go to Vegas? Should I not go to Vegas? Should I watch this UFC fight this weekend? Should I not? Some of these, should I go watch the Father Sue movie? Some people are criticizing it that there's too much cuss words. Here's the 10 principles. Number one, and I want to plug in smoking marijuana since this is a hot topic right now. Smoking marijuana, whether recreationally or medical marijuana, which by the way, there's no medical benefits to it. But So smoking pot every day. Let's, let's, put these, let's plug it into these 10 principles. Number one, will it be spiritually, spiritually profitable? Guess what? No, check that off. Principle number two, smoking marijuana every day. Will it build me up? Nope. Principle number three, will it slow me down in the race to holiness and heaven? Absolutely. Number four, smoking marijuana every day. Will it bring me into spiritual bondage? Absolutely. Most people go on to harder drugs and end up dead, addicted, or in prison. Number five, Smoking marijuana every day. Is my freedom being used to cover my cloak of evil desires? Yeah. People just want to do it because they want to feel intoxicated and they want to get that dopamine rush. 
They don't want to do it because they got a medical problem. That's all BS. Principle number six, smoking marijuana. Will this compromise my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, absolutely. You can't have a relationship with God when you're stoned. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. Impossible to have a relationship with God when you're intoxicated. Principle number seven, smoking marijuana every day. Will my action or inaction help other Christians? Will my example help other Christians or scandalize them? Number one, you're going to help nobody. Number two, you're going to enter into the sin of sloth. Number three, you're going to scandalize people by your intoxication. Principle number eight, smoking marijuana every day. Will your example of life lead others to Christ? Hardly. Smoking dope every day is going to lead you into a life of vice, not virtue. Principle number nine, will this decision behavior or action be consistent with being christ-like nope there is absolutely no evidence in the new testament christ had perfect control of his faculties he had perfect integrity which means his faculties higher and lower faculties were perfectly integrated he had no concupiscence he wouldn't have been around going around intoxicated or smoking dope principle number 10 this is the last one it's very simple will my actions i.e smoking dope every day Words or behavior give glory to God, and I say no. Ruben, what say you? You're right, Jesse. Yeah, this, these are good uh, points to, to think about when you're trying to discern whether what uh, you're doing is profitable for you, your spiritual life, because there's, you know, if you're not going forward, you're going backwards. There's no, there's no standing still. So, Ruben, I'll tell you why it's important to me, because I've had, I've had dopers that are Catholics, they'll tell me, Show me the Bible verse where it says, God says thou shalt not smoke marijuana. Yeah. So, so in other words, the point is, you have a lot of Catholics that have been brainwashed by sola scriptura. Mm-hmm. By, it, it, so, a lot of because we live in, 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 a, in a Protestant country where sola scriptura, the Bible alone, predominates, you'll find Catholics fall into that error. Mm-hmm. They'll say, there's not one verse just in the Bible that says you can't smoke marijuana. Where is that verse? Again, you, you don't. There's not one verse in the Bible that you know that says you shouldn't slam heroin. There's not. It, it, there's not one verse in the Bible that says don't rip somebody off uh, his money and in an ATM and an ATM machine. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. the Bible doesn't say a lot of things. Right. That's why <laughs> I put this together because there are principles in the Bible that will help us govern our life. Does that make sense? Yes, it sure does. I remember dealing with a, a heroin addict in East LA and and uh, I said, man, you're getting, man, how old are you? How long are you going to keep doing this stuff, man? You're like your fifties already. And uh, he goes, I thought I said, last time we talked, I thought you were going to church. He goes, yeah, well, I was I was saved back in 1997 at Victor Outreach, <laughs> you know. So it's still he's he thought they gave him a license to continue doing his, you know, slamming heroin. And uh, <laughs> uh, boy, I had to I had to school him on that one. Remember, the goal in life is not to have a long list of earthly accomplishments: Heisman Trophy, UFC Hall of Fame, baseball, football, basketball MVP of the year, Super Bowl championships, heavyweight boxing champ of the world. The goal is to be a saint. All those other things could be a short list, a short uh, sort of idolatry. They will be inconsequential upon death. Even people that pride themselves in college degrees, BA, BS, MA, PhD, the only letters that matter is that ST before your name given to you by Almighty God at your particular judgment. Become a saint. That's what you were called to be the moment you were baptized. Jess, you want to wrap it up? So I just want to lead everybody in a prayer that's been listening to the show. Let's let's pray all the just go ahead and repeat after me in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the principles you have given us through your word that assist us in governing our behavior. You've not only given us these biblical principles, but you've given us the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, to assist us in living out these principles so that we might live a, a life holy and pleasing to you. Lord, give us the wisdom to make right decisions based on these principles that come from your holy word. We thank you and praise you, Lord God, for the amazing grace and the divine mercy you give us every day that we did not merit, earn, or deserve. Bless us, protect us, shine your face upon us, and keep us safe in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, our Lady's seat of wisdom. Pray for us. And the, amen. All right, anybody wants to get this word file, get it, to go, go to my website, jesseromero.com. Go to free PDF downloads. It's called Moral Clarity on Tough Decisions. I hope this was helpful. Ruben? Yeah, and so you also want to think about, you know, is, is this a near occasion of sin? You know, is this going to lead me to something else? Maybe in and of mm. itself it's not sinful, but it's going to lead me. You know, if I look at this, then I'm going to gravitate to this. Or if I, you know, if I'm, uh, you know, if you're. Oh, no, you just gave me point eleven. <laughs> And I wanted to keep it nice and tight, ten oh, points. No. <laughs> All right. So you also No, you know what? You could you could put that in principle number five because it's is my freedom being used to cover my cloak of evil desires. Mm -hmm. I think I can squeeze that in there. We'll see. Okay. But go ahead. Okay. Finish up your thought. Yeah. Yeah. No, so that that's just it. You know, if if you're uh you know, you're you're in Lent and you you're not uh you're giving up a certain type of let's say sweets, you know, why why would you be going into a panaderia? You know, why would you be going in <laughs> Into a bakery or something like that, where you're just gonna be tempted, or you, you say, "Let's go have dinner at Cheesecake Factory," and you got like 32 different types of cheesecake there. You're you're just asking for trouble, man. Or you know, a guy trying to give up uh, alcohol and he he stops, steps into a bar. Oh, I'm just gonna hear, you know, this is number five, right? I'm just gonna get here just to talk to the the fellas, you know. I, I'm gonna be cool. I'm not gonna drink anything. You're just, you know, you're a dope if you think that's what you're gonna stay uh, stay clean. So. Anyway, I hope you liked uh, Jesse's uh, his uh, memo there or his, you know, his uh, PDF file. It's it's quite entertaining. It was because it's it's all true. Just I, 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 you know, every every point was right on. Amen. Ruben, uh, let's uh, remember the month of April is the month of the Holy Eucharist, the month of Pentecost, uh, the month of the resurrection. This is a big month for Catholics. Stay close to Jesus. Live in a state of grace. Don't live in a state of mortal sin. Read your Bible every day. Pray your rosary every day. Up next, Gary Machuda, Hands on Apologetics, coming to us from the Midwest Command Center. As for us, we are EOW, end of watch. We are 10-7. We're out. We are out. <laughs>